Welcome, everyone, to a special Saturday evening edition of BAMS Radio. First time we've come to you in a while. Uh, during the uh, offseason, we said it would be periodic until we got back to the daily, weekly grind of football season. But uh, that is almost here as starting Monday, live from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, I will be there with ESPN 97.7 The Zone for SEC Media Days. Uh, it's going to be very exciting, and we'll hear from uh, Nick Saban on Wednesday, also uh, Auburn on Thursday. Uh, to wrap things up, but uh, we're looking forward uh, to SEC Media Days, no doubt about that, and uh, always a great time of year, and got really kind of the unofficial start uh, to the college football season with fall camp just a couple of weeks away uh, following that, so we're looking forward to it, and we are glad to be here with you uh, on uh, BAMS Radio, no doubt about that, really excited uh, to be here as always and to speak with you. And again, uh, it's uh, going to be Drew DeArmon here with, of course, the wizard behind the curtain, Thomas Watts, uh, who is uh, always does a great job producing our show, and our third amigo, former Alabama Crimson Tide national champion, and from 88 to 93, a key part of that program, and that is William Redfish Barger. William, I hope you've had a good summer. It's certainly been hot. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Well, yeah, it has been. It's it's funny. I, uh, um, you know, we had originally had planned to do this at six, and you know, I'd kind of scheduled my yard work around that. But because of uh, uh, you know these these thunderstorms that we get every afternoon this time of the year, I got it done a little bit early, and uh, in anticipation of not having to turn the sprinkler system on, and I'm sitting here out in the driveway surveying my handiwork on the yard, and. On the, the far left end of my neighborhood, the sun's out. On the far right, it looks like Hurricane Katrina's coming through, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss all the free water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy, uh, uh, you know, how, how uh, you know, the, uh, the weather can be this time of year with all these pop-up showers. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and then, as we said, uh, you know, Monday uh, at SEC Media Days, we're going to get started uh, with uh, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher uh, Kentucky and Mark Stoops, and then Coach O at Ogeron uh, at LSU. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Steve Shaw will kick it off. Now, Greg Sankey will have his State of the Union to start SEC Media Days around 1130, but Steve Shaw will have his address, uh, you know, uh, to kick off uh, the day number two. Uh, and then uh, we'll have Georgia and Ole Miss uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Kirby Smart trying to navigate those expectations and can Georgia win the SEC East as many people are believing. And then our evening session will be uh, Dan Mullen uh, at Florida in his first year coming over from Mississippi State, and then Arkansas and Chad Morris. And as we said, uh, then on Wednesday, uh, David Fletcher from the Florida Bowl Association will be the keynote speaker for a few minutes, and then Bill Hancock uh, for about 15 minutes. And then our morning session, Mississippi State and Tennessee, and then starting in the afternoon, the university of Alabama and Missouri uh, will take over. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a hectic Wednesday with Nick Saban and Alabama coming in. And then Thursday, uh, we're going to have uh, the, the, the Football Writers Association of America address uh, and then the National Football Foundation. And then from 9 to 2, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina will be coming through, and it will wrap up SEC Media Days 2018. Uh, and then that will be the uh, – basically – the countdown will have begun to the first day of fall camp. But as we said, William, coming in, it's been an eventful offseason, usually in the, in the last week, especially at Alabama. And if there's news, it's usually not good. 
and we've had some tough news uh, in the uh, last, eh, you know, two to three weeks for Alabama since we last spoke with everyone. First, the first bit of it was something we'd kind of been, been anticipating. Jordan Davis from Memphis High, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Southwind High School, uh, Jack linebacker, maybe a defensive end on that level, but he let his GPA slip some, had trouble with the ACT, becomes the only member of the recruiting class not to qualify. He ends up officially this week at Copiah Lincoln Community College in Mississippi. And before we go on with the other two pieces of news, your thoughts on Jordan Davis. You know, I guess at this point, you know, the, you know, my, my, my first and foremost question is, is, you know, what is, you know, Jordan Davis's position going to be with the Alabama football program, um, you know, two years from now, um, you know, with, with what they have the, the potential of, of bringing in from a number standpoint, um, you know, obviously they're in very good shape with the five-star, you know, Jack linebacker in California. Uh, Thibodeau right now, uh, they're kind of the leader in the clubhouse uh, to this point with the number one, you know, outside linebacker for 2020, the smallest kid from Washington. You know, there, there's a chance, you know, just like there always is, if, if you don't, you know, jump on the uh, the recruiting train at the opportune time, that you can get recruited past real quickly. And I think that's certainly something that's in play for Jordan Davis. Certainly is, and uh, Jordan Davis. It'll be interesting to, uh, you know, uh, watch and kind of see how he develops uh, at Codeland. And Alabama certainly, you know, has uh, has uh, brought guys back before, like Dion Ballou from Deschler, who came out of junior college, and they they brought him back into the program. DJ Petway, after he went to East Mississippi, came in with Jaron Reed. So uh, it's possible if he produces, they could bring him back, but. I think the odds are long, but we will see. It's going to just—it's going to depend on Jordan getting the job done in the classroom, and of course, uh, performing. And then what Alabama's needs are at the time. You made a good point about Kevon Tibido, who performed very well at the opening. Uh, he's a guy that Alabama feels like they're—they're they're slugging it out with Florida State and USC with. Uh, I think Alabama has a really good shot if they can continue to to get him back to campus a time or two more. Certainly, as I've always told people, you don't bet against Tosh Lupoy. And, and so uh, I think Alabama, it's interesting, William, with this recruiting class, they're already up to 20 commitments, but in my opinion, I consider it 17 due to the uh, family situation with Paul Tyson and that I think two of these guys, Brandon Turnage uh, and also especially uh, Richard Chaney will likely disappear, though I will say this for Turnage, it may, it's probably going to come down to a simple cut-and-dried fact of if they get Daxton Hill or not. Daxton Hill is considered the number one safety in America out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I believe he could be the best defensive player in the country, and certainly Alabama has positioned themselves strongly with him. I think it's ultimately going to – I know he visited Michigan, and there was some buzz about that. I think when that wears off, he's not going to want to go down to Michigan and freeze his tail off. I think it's going to come down to – the in-state Sooners, even though his brother Justice Hill is a running back for Oklahoma State, I still think when you think about it uh, that uh, Oklahoma and Alabama is going to probably be the ultimate two uh, teams. And if he thinks about it rationally, uh, Oklahoma is certainly a great institution with a lot of tradition. But when Nick Saban and, what, and those guys and what, the way they, the, uh, they develop uh, you know, guys in the secondary, I think uh, you know, Daxton Hill would be smart. Uh, to seriously consider and ultimately choose Alabama. Now, 
Uh, there's a lot of in-state pressure, and Oklahoma certainly went to the college football playoff, and they're a great program. But that battle uh, going forward, William, is going to be interesting because from what I understand, and I have some good sources on this, I think Daxton Hill is going to commit in early August. So, But I do think if that does hold that he commits early, Alabama could get some good news there. Yeah, and I, he is one of the more intriguing prospects, uh, you know, to me. If, if you look at, you know, one of the old, you know, tried and true, you know, urban legends in recruiting, you know, he hasn't visited Oklahoma in quite some time. I think it's almost even a calendar year. Um, you know, if you look at it from a business, you know, decision standpoint, Drew, it makes sense for, you know, him to come to Alabama and, and be coached up by, by a head coach and a, you know, pseudo position coach that's put, you know, quite a few, uh, you know, top ranked safeties in the NFL draft, you know, Landon Collins, Clinton Dix, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, but, you know, on the other side of the stick, you know, if the kid really is as good as everybody says he is, and I'm not trying to dispute that, I agree with all the uh, recruiting services, you know, I mean, he could stay at home and be the hometown hero, and if he really is that good, um, you know, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, Mike Stoops is a is a, um, a joke of the defensive coordinator, but, you know, it, it would make sense for him and his, his development to, to come to Alabama, but at the same time, if he really is that good, um, you know, there is a long proven track record of these, you know, elite five-star guys at their positions going where they want to go and, you know, still ended up in the first round NFL draft. Certainly agree. No matter what, I do think that Daxton uh, will have a chance to go uh, in the first round. Uh, the be my best source described him as an Adrian Peterson of defense, that he, no matter where he went, he was a different guy and that he would have a huge impact so we will see where that goes and, and what happens with Daxton Hill. Certainly Brandon Turnage is a good prospect in his own right and has been committed to Alabama for a long time uh, from the backyard of the Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford and has, of course, continued to flirt uh, with the Rebels and even the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So that's going to be a storyline to follow going forward. And then, of course, the next two bits of news happened in the last several days, William. The first one uh, we'll go over uh, is one that was expected because we've We've talked about it on this podcast and his uh, looming suspension by the NCAA for a failed drug tester in bowl prep, and then some other issues off the field with academics. Uh, had a lot of issues starting about the middle of last season going forward. Uh, his talent was never in question. I mean, and I, we saw it on the, uh, you know, uh, as he went through part of spring practice this year. I mean, uh, we, uh, you know, they, they, they've made, uh, when, when you have a chance to talk to people who attend spring practice, uh, and they tell you, even though he's with the threes, that he's sticking out. Certainly, Vandarius Cowan had talent, and people were hoping he could turn it around. But I don't think it was to anyone's surprise that he had another incident off the field in a bar last week, and now you know faces a uh, you know some charges of third degree assault, and has been dismissed by Nick Saban. It's sad because he's a very talented young man, but not surprised ultimately that Vandarius Cowan is not in this program. No, and, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the, the incident at the bar, you know, mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times that, that type of scenario played out um, for me and several of my teammates when I was a student athlete at Alabama in the early 90s. Uh, you know, luckily for all of us, there wasn't, you know, video surveillance footage. <laughs> 
you know, to, to, to document it. But but I I do go back to, you know, the incident that took place towards the end of his senior season in high school when he was dismissed Correct. from his high school team. And, you know, when that happened, you know, I kind of dismissed it because you've seen, you know, with so many different players um, how Nick Saban has been able to, you know, kind of factor in and become an influencer in a young man's life that kind of experienced something similar at the high school level. And once he got into the program and became a part of the process, you saw those incidents, you know, kind of get erased for a guy like Reuben Foster. And, and you've seen the, you know, the off the field struggles that Reuben's had to deal with since he's, you know, been in the NFL out in San Francisco. Um, unfortunately for Van Darius, like you said, um, the, the talent level has never been an issue. In fact, uh, at one of the spring practices that I was privy to see live, you know, it was like watching uh, Lawrence Taylor in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was on the third team defense going up against the what I would say was either the second or the third team offense, and the guy was making every play. You know, they, yeah, there was, was, you know nobody could exactly. deal with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but you know at the same time you know you there's certain things you can get away with um, you know as a student athlete these days and there's certain things you can't and uh, you know I hated how it turned out um, I really did think that he was going to be a kid that kind of you know tilted towards the Reuben Foster side that you know that Nick Saban could kind of um, you know get him fully bought in you know on his process and how you have to conduct yourself and. You know, it just, it was almost, you know, like watching, uh, you know, a train wreck. He, you know, never really got past the incident in high school, came to Alabama, um, you know, was really kind of one of the bell cows of that 2017 recruiting class, you know, came up with a social media, uh, you know, message of, you know, savages want to play with savages and, you know, on the field, uh, you know, taking his off the field behavior out of the equation, you know, he is a savage. Um, has has all the talent in the world to you know one day you know uh, collect a paycheck at the NFL level, but you know you got to clean this stuff up. You know you're you're in a era now of where you know, everybody has an eye on you 24/7, and you know you just can't get away with some of the same stuff that you know me and some of my teammates got away with. Um, you know in that town, uh, you know back in the early 90s, but you, you know I think that. You know, it, it comes – I'll say this. I think that uh, Jalen Moody's continued development mm. um, at the inside linebacker position since he signed his LOI with Alabama, they're very upbeat and positive about him as an inside linebacker. Uh, Markel Benton took some positive steps in the spring. And, you know, I think there is a uh, a chance that he can provide – you know, Mac Wilson, some relief, um, you know, against lesser opponents as far as a, as, a, as an inside linebacker that can drop into coverage and play in space, um, you know, versus spread teams. So, um, you know, if, if, if Ben Davis never takes the next step, then, you know, yeah, all of a sudden, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Vandarius Cowan, you know, he's gone, you know, you've got – uh, you know, Ben Davis, who's struggling to try and live up to expectations. Um, and, you know, I think it was the uh, the 2000, it was either 2015 or 16 linebacker class um, where there's been so many dis, uh, departures. 
you know, the mm-hmm. only one that stuck out of that group and has made an impact, I think there was four or five guys that were signed, is Anthony Jennings. So I think that's what, you know, makes the, the, the rest of this 2019 recruiting class, you know, so important for, for the Alabama coaching staff is, you know, they've got a lot down, a guy like N'Kobe Dean. You know, Tosh Lapoy has to go back out there to California uh, to his alma mater high school and get the uh, – you know, the five-star inside linebacker from out there. And, uh, you know, they, they've got to really make sure they bring in, you know, two or three guys in this class that can play early and often at the inside linebacker spot. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, I'll just call the guy at uh, De La Salle Henry T because I have no idea how to pronounce the last name. Uh, there's the <laughs> – uh, he does have I think, impressive. I think, Drew, I think most people are just referring to the damn dog from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that I can understand that. Uh, uh, but uh, I I did watch his Myself tape. Myself included. Yeah, he, he's a very fast linebacker, also plays running back. And it would certainly, I think, Alabama uh, would, would have an advantage being Toshley Poy played in the De La Salle program. So we'll see going forward. Uh, if they can, uh, and of course it makes, uh, you know, N'Kobe Dean very important from Horn Lake, Mississippi. Many people believe the top high school inside backer in the country. And as we've said, Kevon Thibodeau uh, is someone else that uh, uh, to watch very closely uh, because I think Alabama, uh, you know, really likes uh, all, all three of those guys and would like to sign three more linebackers. They've got King Makuta and Kevin Harris committed that are edge players. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they feel like they've recruited well. Uh, and, and then they've got Shane Lee committed from uh, the former teammate of Iabi Anoma from Baltimore, Maryland, St. Francis Academy. So they'd like to sign six backers. I think that's probably the top three uh, that they would like to bring in. So uh, certainly we'll see going forward what Alabama does. And, and now they could be in, you know, in line for a graduate transfer because our last piece of news and the worst piece uh, because of the impact he could have made on this season uh, is Terrell Lewis. You just really feel for the young man, though I do think he's certainly attacking his rehab. Uh, there's already been a video out today of him uh, doing some uh, stuff with, uh, you know, uh, some uh, some rehab very aggressively, uh, you know, uh, in, in the training room for Alabama to get back from this ACL. But he tore it last week, Terrell Lewis did, uh, during drill work. And so, uh, and he's already had surgery, as we said. Uh, but you just hate to hear that because last year they thought he was going to break out and he injured the elbow and did not come back along uh, with Christian Miller until the Auburn game. And then going forward, continued to work his way back. And then, of course, had the huge sack in the national championship game. But really had, you, you've remarked about it several times, William, about the spring he had. He was dominant. Uh, as you said, he probably scarred Alex Leatherwood a little bit. Leatherwood's still probably recovering from some of those struggles to block him this spring. So, but now Terrell Lewis uh, is hurt. We'll see if, you know, when he can get back. I still think, I know he's really attacking this rehab, but I would be still, if you, if you see him this year, I would still think you need to wait till December uh, in the SEC championship game. But certainly uh, he, he's a loss for Alabama. And now you mentioned uh, Anthony Jennings, who's going to be one of the representatives at uh, SEC media days, along with Damian Harris and Ross Piercebaker, his return to health is crucial. Uh, they certainly uh, they need him to play well. They need Christian Miller healthy. 
Uh, so uh, right now, Alabama, they, they don't, they, 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 they had, they had so many injuries at, at the linebacker core, both inside and outside last year. They don't need, uh, you know, that kind of rat. I'm not sure they can survive that kind of, uh, you know, injury luck this season. Cause I don't think they have as much depth. We've already talked about, uh, who's been lost in Vandarius Cowan to a dismissal, uh, certainly. And it, now it, it, it also looks like Keith Holcomb, uh, will not be back and will continue to play baseball. Uh, you know, some, some, including myself, thought well, maybe things could change with the dismissal of Cowan and the injury to Lewis, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I think, uh, you know, Keith wants to explore baseball, and he, he's had one full season and has a, a, a senior season coming up. Uh, but certainly, William, they, uh, they don't need any more uh, long-term injuries. I think we might see somebody like Jamie Mosley play inside, but certainly another guy that to be counted on along with Christian Miller and Anthony Jennings is going to be Chris Allen, who we both thought had a tremendous spring. Yeah, you know, Allen uh, contributed along with Terrell Lewis uh, on the, the demise of, of Alex Leatherwood's spring. Uh, but, but, you know, I don't mind sharing this, you know, with the listeners now. It's, it's probably already out there. If it's not, you know, th- this is exactly what happened. And, you know, before anybody starts passing judgment on, you know, the coach and staff policing something like this, and, um, you know, this is typically how these type of injuries take place. It's, it's a um, just a, un, an unfortunate chain of events. But, you know, how, how Terrell Lewis, you know, tore his ACL um, was late last week one night. He had already done all of his workouts and, and was released on the team. And, you know, he was out there, you know, just, you know, kind of jacking around and jumped in on seven-on-seven work in the indoor complex and was out there, you know, pretending like he was an SEC cornerback covering a wide receiver, dropped into coverage, you know, cut the wrong way, and the ACL went out. So, um, you know, this isn't something that took place during the, you know, the regularly scheduled workouts. But, you you know, you hate to see it. And, you know, I think it's even more amplified by the fact that, you know, we talked about this before, how, you know, every year under the Nick Saban era, you know, he, he kind of tasks the uh, uh, assistant coaches to rank the players one through 70. And this is the first time since 2007 when Nick Saban's been the head coach that the, 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 the choice for the number one player on the team was a unanimous vote by the coaching staff, and it was Terrell Lewis. So, you know, if, if this had been Dylan Moses or Mac Wilson, um, I would probably be singing a different tune. And, you know, it's, it's magnified by the fact that, that Chris Allen exploded during the spring and also, um, you know, with, with Anoma's presence on campus already going through the summer conditioning program. You know, if there is one spot, you know, on the front seven where they can afford to absorb a loss like this, it's probably going to get absorbed. I, I think between, uh, you know, having a guy like Chris Allen that's been in the program for a year, uh, has a has a real good grasp on the defense. You know, we got to see him work, um, you know, in the spring versus Alex Leatherwood and Jonah Williams. And, you know, he, he may not have been Terrell Lewis-like in humiliating both of those offensive tackles, but he, he did some damage on his own. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll be fine there, um, you know, from, a, from the standpoint of, 
you know, I think Allen is trending more towards, you know, being an Anthony Jennings guy that can set the edge. Um, and, you know, Anoma is already a pretty polished pass rusher. And then you've got a guy. Let, let, let's don't pretend like uh, last year, you know, Alabama got to the national championship game, um, you know, in, in a lot of games with, with Jamie Mosley being the jack linebacker. So, you know, all those guys are back. Um, they have a lot of experience, you know, certainly the, the, they're not, you know, a guy like Terrell Lewis, the coaching staff thinks is a uh, top 15 draft pick um, along with, uh, you know, Jonah Williams and, and Raekwon Davis, you know, that, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, but, but I do think they have the bodies and the talent stacked at, at the outside linebacker position versus this being a much more devastating situation had it happened to a guy like Dylan Moses or Mac Wilson. No question about it, William. And I did say this based upon how the linebacker core is made up this year. We certainly saw him get ravaged at inside linebacker a year ago. Keith Holcomb will not be back. It looks like to play special teams and be a key cog uh, as a backup situational guy, probably on third down. As I said, Mosley has played a lot of Sam, but probably could move inside, should know the defense rather well. But from a depth standpoint, they do have behind uh, Dylan Moses uh, at the will, will linebacker and Mac Wilson at the mic. As you said, they've got Markel Benton, who's a redshirt freshman who had a good spring. Jalen Moody, also Joshua McMillan, uh, who is going to be a redshirt junior who has played some. They've got him as well, so they do have a little bit of depth. But to me, for this defense this year, they cannot lose Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses for a, a a long length of time to an injury. No, they can't. I think those are you know uh, two two of the big you know keys in that deal, and you know it, it goes along with uh, you know when we have to start forecasting how this defense is going to produce. You know, it all starts you know, with, with those with those guys that put their hands in the dirt on the on the defensive line and, you know, guys like uh, you know, Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller have to do that as edge rushers. I mean, you know, that that sack that, that Terrell Lewis produced, um, you, you know, in the, the, the waning moments of the national championship game, you know, he was lined up as a three technique defensive tackle um o- over Georgia's right guard when he produced that sack against Georgia in the national championship game. Um, so, you know, on one hand, I don't want to try and diminish, um, you know, what his loss is for this team because it's huge. I mean, when you lose who, you know, your, your coaching staff feels is the best overall player on the team, um, that's a big loss. But I think that, you know, at a program like Alabama that recruits at the level that they do on an annual basis – there are some guys, uh, you know, waiting in the wings, you know, like a Chris Allen, who's already had a year of seasoning. You know, you've got a Noma who's, you know, adding size and, and uh, you know, you know, proved uh, at the high school level, certainly at the Under Armour All-American game after the damage he did to uh, Nicholas Petit-Fierre, who was the number one offensive tackle in the country. Um, you know, that, that was uh, first-degree sexual assault. Uh, that Anoma did to him, but you know we're going forward. We got you know we got to see what this team uh, you know can do on both sides of the football. But but you know I think that 
from what I saw, at least in the spring, you know, the um, Tosh LaPoy era of, of being a DC is going to rival more of the Jeremy Pruitt era versus the Kirby Smart era. Um, you know, you've got guys up front that are unblockable, you know, like, like a, a Raekwon Davis. Um, you know, one of the practices I was at, you know, you, you just blew the whistle and, and the play was over with because nobody could block him one-on-one. Um, but, you know, you still got guys like Christian Miller and, and Chris Allen that can fill in there. I think that, you know, to me, especially when you're trying to break in a new secondary and, you know, for all the complaints and the concerns about the, the, the 2018 recruiting class, I do think where Nick Saban hit a home run was that he signed probably his best overall defensive back class since he's been at Alabama. And, you know, there's a couple of guys that are jumping out early there and Patrick Sertain Jr. and Josh Job um, that, are, that are proving that they can factor in early and often back there. But if you've got an elite pass rush, it gives your weaknesses on the back end of the defense, which I think for Alabama, the safety situation is, is probably going to be pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you got to still kind of wait and see how – you know, Trevon Diggs and a guy like Savion Smith, once he's 100%, um, you know, where they factor in is boundary corners. And, you know, there's a couple of other guys that could push them there. But, you know, it's it's not doom and gloom. Um, you know, I, I still think you'll see, you know, Nick Saban and Tosh LePoy field a pretty salty defense this fall. I think there's no question about it. I mean, I, I think – uh, they just need to have some injury luck, so to speak. And uh, certainly, how big a factor, and, and of course their their time frame went up as far as the urgency to develop them as players, uh, as true freshmen. Uh, Yabi Anoma certainly was probably the number one pass rusher in America. Uh, played two years of football at St. Francis in Baltimore. Uh, was a five-star talent, had over 50 sacks, as you said, really just destroyed Nicholas petit Friere in the Under Armour game. Uh, do you believe that uh, that, uh, that uh, Iyabi Anoma uh, can, uh, can you know, what kind of role do you see for him as a true freshman? And also, somebody that's kind of flying under the radar because he gray-shirted. He was a four-star, unbelievably, from Sebastian, Florida. He held off, held out, and, uh, and signed with where he wanted to go in the University of Alabama. But Jarez Parks did go through the spring. I thought he had some moments. I think you would agree with that. Do you think, do you foresee on maybe on as a rabbit rusher on third down, uh, both of those guys, Jerez Parks and I know might be in factors this year. Um, you know, I, I was kind of surprised, um, at what I saw from Jerez Parks in the spring. Um, you know, kind of in that same setting that I was talking about with, with, you know, how many plays, uh, Van Darius Cowan was making, I, I you know, uh, Parks kind of jumped out to me a little bit too. I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't expecting him to, uh, you know, flash that much. Now let, let me say this: um, you know, nobody is is you know talking about Jerez Parks in the same breath that they are um, a Noma. Um, you know, there's at least one SEC football coach that I talked to um, that that has compared a Noma to Jadavion Clowney. Now, what you have to kind of hope for and, and look for is, you know, for him to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, where he can be a three-down player. But, you know, with, with what Alabama's got up there, you know, when they're in their base 3-4, you 
you know, you've got guys, you know, like Isaiah Bugs and Quentin Williams, um, you know, that, that are they're going to be a part of that and, and going to be like the, you know, the the bread and butter five technique defensive ends, and certainly Christian Miller is going to be, um, you know, one of those edge rusher guys when they're in that rabbit package. But yeah, I, I think that. Um, you know, in Noma, um, it would have been even better if he could have come and, and been a part of spring practice. But just from, you know, early returns, um, you know, the two guys that you hear the most about that, that are flashing um, as newcomers, when I say newcomers, that, that reported at the end of May, um, you know, the two guys on both sides of the ball, well, not just two guys, but I'd say a handful of guys that are flashing um, it, you know, the, 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 the only talk that you hear about the offense is Jalen Waddle, but the three names that you hear the most on the defensive side of the football are Anoma, Patrick Sertain Jr., and Josh Job. So, um, and with a little bit of Jalen Moody mixed in there. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we'll just have to wait and see how it works out. You know, it's, it's one thing for a guy to go to – um, you know, the Under Armour All-American game and, and humiliate the number one offensive tackle prospect in the country, uh, you know, versus coming in and going to Alabama and, you know, doing the same thing to, uh, you know, Jonah Williams and Matt Womack. So we'll have to see how that plays out in fall camp and, you know, just how much um, a Noma can factor in as a pass rusher. But I would say, like, where we're sitting at right now, you know, three weeks from fall camp, it, it looks like it's trending in the direction that at least in obvious passing situations, a number could be a factor in the rabbit package. Certainly is looking that way, William, you're right. And of course, uh, as, as we've uh, stated to uh, the University of Alabama going in, they're, they're going to be rebuilding the secondary. Uh, and I was asked today to name who I thought would start uh, the first game uh, uh, at the University of Alabama against Louisville. And I made an educated guess, but I, I also made another statement that I think, I know it was a very experienced group and a very good group last year, but I do think if some of these freshmen continue on the current path they are they're on, you mentioned Patrick Sartain Jr., uh, Josh Job. We even heard good things about Jalen Armour Davis. I think Eddie Smith has been uh, working, at, working at safety as well. Uh, Devontae Smith's cousin, who... Uh, signed with Alabama from Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, you know, and I, I think uh, also, uh, you know, it, being that it's a five-man group, Savion Smith certainly went through spring and has a chance to be the right corner and start there. But they, they signed a very talented group, uh, no question about it. Uh, you know, that and, and four of those guys have come in. Uh, during uh, off season in May and and the, and and, and uh, it impressed. Certainly, we've heard things about Sertain and Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis, Eddie Smith as well. But uh, I, I made my predictions. I think that Savion Smith will be the right corner to start the season. Certainly, I think Trevon Diggs. Hopefully, that year of learning under uh, Levi Wallace. I, I thought he had a good spring. He finished the season pretty strong last year in the return game. Uh, I think, you know, he can be that left corner, though I do think Patrick Sertain is going to push both those guys, depending on how quickly. I mean, I, there are people stating they thought they think he'll start the first game. I say not so fast because I know Minka did it, but those guys are rare. I do think Sertain has a chance to be that good, but I certainly think he'll contribute. Uh, but my other starters besides those two at corner were Shaim Carter at nickel because – 
I hear more and more how confident the coaches are in Shaheem. He finished the season uh, in place of Tony Brown playing the star position uh, due to that trust at the end of last season to win the national championship against Georgia. Uh, and then uh, my, my, my uh, take on the safeties, of course, are Xavier McKinney. I know you're very high on him. We liked what we saw out of Deontay Thompson. Now, the dime back, it's hard to say. I guess Jared Maiden because I thought he had a pretty good spring. I know that uh, Daniel Wright will certainly compete. But your thoughts on this secondary that I think, of course, there's going to be some growing pains. But toward the middle of the season into the second half of the year, I think it can be a very, very deep group. Well, and, you know, they've got a real, you know, advantageous schedule, too, to, you know, to break those guys in. Uh, you know, first of all, um, you know, the, the, the coaching staff, uh, you know, when they, when they made all their votes, um, you know, Trevon Diggs was voted the most improved player on the team um, at one corner spot. You know, Smith was uh, kind of, you know, limped up a little bit from a, a, a winter conditioning program injury that he suffered to his hip. So there, there's still a little bit of uncertainty there with him. Um, we'll see how that plays out in August. But, you know, the, the thought process right now is um, it's going to be really interesting to see because that, you know, that nickelback spot um, was kind of like Russian roulette in the spring. You know, um, you know one, one day you might have seen Maiden out there, uh, you know, being the guy. Um, you know, now they kind of feel like that maybe the, the best chance of getting Patrick Sertain Jr., uh, early playing time, you know, is at that nickel back spot, you know, a la Minka Fitzpatrick that you saw his freshman year. Um, so, you know, it's good to have options. And, you know, they've got plenty of bodies there, you know, in that, you know, free safety, strong safety, nickel dime back position. Um, so, you know, you, you've got Shy Carter, Maiden, you know, let, let's see what happens with the, the newcomer, um, Patrick Sertain Jr., so, you know, again, I think it's all predicated on, Drew. You know, the, the schedule is real advantageous, um, you know, just like it is for the quarterback discussion. Um, you know, I do think you'll see probably that group get tested a little bit um, in, in the latter months of uh, September. Um, you know, you've got both Texas A&M and Ole Miss coming to town. Um you know, where, where they've got a, you know, a quarterback and some, you know, some tall, long, wide receivers. We'll see how they do. You know, but at the same time, you know, it, it kind of makes me revert back to the 1992 national championship team. And, you know, pe people talk about George Teague and Antonio Langham, and certainly those guys were great players. But when you've only got 2.5 seconds to release the football as a quarterback uh, before you get your damn jaw uh, readjusted, from John Copeland and Eric Curry, it's real easy to play defensive back. And I think that's the dynamic that Tosh LePoy is going to be working with this year because uh, he's got some unblockable guys up there on that defensive line in a pass rush situation. And tell me, what are your thoughts on the defensive line? Many people believe they've got to develop some more depth. Uh, certainly Isaiah Bugs and Raekwon Davis have proven themselves and should be counted upon to be the real deal. I think everyone's high on Quinn and Williams and, after the spring he had, he'll be going into his redshirt sophomore season, William. They've got guys like Johnny Dwight who have uh, not played a lot, but who have flashed ability. He'll be a redshirt senior. Certainly LeBron Ray being a true sophomore and what he did at times last year has impressed a lot of people. They're bringing in Tavita Masaika. 
to kind of help at the nose position and with the depth on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, and then Fedarian Mathis coming off of a redshirt year. Do they have enough depth right now, or is that something that they're going to have to develop in fall camp? No, I think they do. I mean, I, I watched, uh, you know, a guy like Stephon Wynn spring. I, I think he's capable of being a, you know, a depth provider. Um, Fidarian Mathis certainly is. You know, I think the the biggest thing that I think emerged from spring practice was, you know, by the end of it, you, you saw them slide Isaiah Bubbs into more of the Duran Payne role of being the, you know, the starter at nose, uh, you know, in the base three, four, which they don't really do that much anymore, you know, because of the offenses that they face. And, and you saw Quentin Williams kind of slide out to the five technique defensive line position. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the, the, the biggest thing that goes into this 2018 defense is, you know, you've got a guy, you know, that's kind of got the, uh, the bulk and, and bugs that can slide down in there. They've got, you know, the, the Masika guy um, that, that can slide in there and provide immediate depth. They're very impressed with him. And, and, and you know, Drew, that, that's, you know, kind of segues into a different conversation. But, um, you know, when you and Thomas called me a little while ago, um, I was watching film um, of, a, of a 2019 recruit, um, you know, from the opening finals out there and you know that there's been a lot of debates you know about whether or not this guy was a take of the Alabama coaching staff but but this uh Samoan from Utah uh talking about Sika um you know yeah, he's he, the guy he looks dominant that that, that I that, that I think is is getting totally overlooked by the recruiting services um you know he, he's not somebody you know when he gets into a uh underwear all-american battle that just tries to run over people i mean he's got the you know the push press and throw he's got a swim move i think you know after coach cool or, or tosh get a hold of him for for six months to a year and you know teach him some counter moves um he's somebody that that could be elite um you know at that defensive tackle position and you know and everybody thinks that alabama's got the inside track on him right now um, you know, we'll see how that plays out because they have to kind of balance that out, uh, you know, versus the, you know, the big defensive tackle that they have the lead on down in Louisiana, uh, talking about Sosher. Um, But, you know, that, that to me, I think, is, is, is the biggest dynamic in, in the last two years and the next two years going forward is, you know, people want to debate and talk about, you know, how much longer is Nick Saban going to coach, but, you know, I think he's probably going to coach for seven to ten more years. And if he keeps winning the recruiting war of signing the best offensive line class and the best defensive line class like he's going to do um, in this 2019 cycle, why would the guy want to retire? I mean, it gets real easy if you win the line of scrimmage at both battles. It does, and uh, Ica, no doubt, uh, watching him, he looked dominant and I think he's still rated 192 on the top 247, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. He, he certainly looked like a five-star talent, though you can't get all whomped up about offensive and defensive linemen at the opening. But still, when you look at his build and you look at the way he moved and the way he abused some of those cats, 
he definitely looks like a guy that uh, Alabama would be, uh, you know, very uh, smart to pursue heavily and try to get into the class. Of course, we'll see what happens with Sopcher. He's got a brother also in the junior college ranks. Uh, and right now, Devontae Lee, I think, is slipping down the board because he's more of a defensive player than a wide receiver. Uh, and, uh, and I've stated this, you know, I went over it in my head, you know, about Alabama. And, you know, I felt like right now in my mind that they had, uh, I guess, about 17 commitments due to the, some of those other factors we talked about earlier in the show. And as I said, you know, I think right now the way – that Alabama, with what they've got left, they'll probably sign 11 more guys because I think that the, the cap for them due to the last year uh, it would be 28, I think, uh, at, at maximum. So I felt like they would probably take two more defensive linemen, two DBs, three linebackers, which we already talked about earlier in the show, uh, two offensive linemen, of course, Clay Webb being one of those, and then either Darnell Wright or Evan Neal at offensive tackle. Uh, one running back, which is going to be Trey Sanders, is who they're they're haunting in on, and one more wide receiver. And uh, from what we understand, William, the wide receiver, they've got several guys under consideration, but uh, it sounds like, just from kind of reading the tea leaves, I think it's going to be difficult because of his ties with his brother and others to Chip Lindsey and Auburn, but it sounds like Alabama is certainly turning up the heat on George Pickens of Hoover. Oh no, they definitely are, and and uh, you know the 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 hurdle that has to you know be overcome there is um, you know I don't want to get you know too personal into this because it, it it sounds like I'm slamming a you know a 17 year old high school kid, but you know his grades have to improve. Um, you know as far as the the recruitment of George Pickens goes, there there are certainly. Uh, influencers and decision makers in his camp that want him at Alabama. But, you know, for, for that to, you know, crank up on both sides, um, he's going to have to do some work in the classroom this fall. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, going back to what you said, um, you know, Alabama's in a very, you know, advantageous position right now. They They can afford to you know, cherry pick with recruits. And I would say, um, like right now, you know, the hard number on paper looks like there's 20. Um, but I would say this, I think there's, I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but I think there's two guys uh, that are on the current commitment list um, that are going to disappear. Yeah, I, I said I, I said them earlier. <laughs> Unfortunately, for the, for the listeners yeah, to go did. back. Yeah, you did. I'm right? not going yep. to repeat oh, yeah. them, but you did say. I got you. But there, there's two why. guys on the current commit list that are going to disappear, and there's also two other guys on the current commit list that could be possibly uh, possibly pushed into uh, gray shirt roles. So, you know, I think the hard number right now is 16. Very interesting there, William. No doubt that could, uh, I'm sure, with some of uh, some obvious, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the commitment list and, and who's on it, that that could that could uh, that could definitely happen. Uh, so there is some flexibility for Alabama. Looks like they are going to be a runaway train, in my opinion, to the number one class in the country. Certainly, uh, most of the guys did very well at the opening, though. There's been some, you know, some criticism of Talia Tungavaloa, but he's still an elite prospect. I mean, he's not Tua, but he's very, very good. Uh, so, you know, I would, I still think uh, he's a. He, I, I don't buy into the size aspect or the, the size argument. I never have. 
he won the long ball throw. I still think he's extremely accurate and extremely good player. Uh, and I don't believe I certainly he's going to continue to visit other places. He's visited LSU. He's visited Tennessee. But if uh, Tua is the quarterback, like we all believe, he will be at the University of Alabama. Certainly, uh, we know Paul Tyson's background and his family situation. So that would give we would think that would give Alabama some flexibility in that situation. So certainly, uh, Alabama seems to be in the catbird seat. And as we said, Daxton Hill, they could they they could be in a very strong position for him. He looks to be deciding, uh, you know, in the coming weeks, perhaps two to three weeks uh, in early August. So uh, we'll see where that goes from there. Uh, and so in uh, Alabama certainly uh, has continued to add uh, to their recruiting hall. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end who got sent home from the opening uh, due to a Ryan Anderson slash Dylan Lee 2012 situation. Uh, he he will, he uh, he made a mistake there, but he's certainly a good prospect and he committed to the University of Alabama. And then John Mechie from uh, Toronto. He reminds a lot of people, William, of, of, uh, of a dog. And, and I mean that in a good way. A very physical player. Maybe, uh, you know, a, 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 in the long lines of an R. Darius Stewart, the Canadian. Uh, so Alabama takes him. And uh, with, their, with their loaded wide receiver room, I, didn't, I never bought into the fact Demetrius Robertson would come to Alabama. I always felt like it would be Georgia. Alabama's uh, got uh, you know, a, a more than deep enough wide receiver group right now. So you would think with only uh, the, uh, you know, uh, Zabion Marks uh, certainly and Derek Keefe slated to graduate and none of these guys being eligible for the professional ranks, and then Jalen Waddell, you know, just being, we're hearing such reports of him being not of this planet in the off season that Alabama would, uh, would probably only sign a couple of receivers in the upcoming class. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think one of the, uh, you know, the, the funniest things that I've been told by an SEC coach, uh, you know, in the last six months, and, you know, this plays into, um, which I don't think it's personally going to happen, uh, by the Louisville game, I think it's going to play out into a, um, I don't want to say a dueling, you know, two-quarterback role, but I don't think there's, you know, any emergency or any necessary need for, you know, Nick Saban, the name of starting quarterback, and well, Texas A&M comes to town, I think, on September the 21st. But but this this, this kind of plays into it, but it's funny because you saw this play out in, in the second half versus Georgia. Um, you know, once the, the quote unquote second team offense got out there, uh, you know, with Tua. But but I've had one SEC football coach kind of, you know, lay this, you know, train wreck out for me. And it, it, it's, if you think about it realistically, it, it it's, it's so Nick Saban. Um, but, but he, he, he kind of laid out the, uh, you know, Tua Tungvaloa emergence as the starting quarterback for Alabama. And, you know, he didn't lay it out as, you know, him taking the uh, the first snap versus Louisville. He, he said, you know, it's going to play out slowly and piss a lot of people off uh, between Louisville and Texas A&M. But when he finally laid it out, it made so much sense to me. He said Nick Saban is, is going to use – uh, to a Valoa's arm to win either uh, Damian Harris or Najee Harris, the Heisman, because what he's going to do is with that arm talent, he's going to back everybody out of the box and he's going to run the freaking ball down everybody's throat. And that right there makes me excited. 
make a, it would make a lot of people excited. I think this offensive line's got a chance to be very good and anxious to see how Leatherwood bounces back in fall camp. I still am of the belief Matt Womack will be the right tackle. Leatherwood will be the swing tackle. Uh, of course, Leatherwood could move inside and get some looks at guard, but uh, I think they're, they're certainly going to allow Lester Cotton to try to hold on to the left guard spot, but I think Josh Casher will push him. I've kind of had them at co-first team. Uh, and then, of course, Jonah Williams at left tackle going into his third year starting and uh, Ross Piersbaker trying to make that transition to center, but I think being more well-equipped for it now than he was two years ago when Bradley Bozeman took that position. Uh, and then the right guard, I think, is going to be, uh, you know, uh, Jedrick Wills, who I think has a lot of potential. So this uh, offensive line, and they've got some depth. Uh, you know, they've got some guys that can compete and play, though they did lose a couple, Brandon Kennedy uh, to Tennessee uh, and, and Dallas Warmack uh, to Oregon. But that was to be expected. They, they've, got, uh, they've had so many guys on scholarship, but certainly has a chance to be a really good uh, offensive line and, uh, and I think, uh, as you said, uh, them running the football uh, with Tua Tungavailoa under center, where you have to respect the passing game. It's going to make Alabama extremely hard to beat, uh, hard to stop offensively. And then they won't have to depend, I don't think, on the plays kicking too much. Certainly Austin Jones and Joseph Belovis will fight that out uh, during fall camp. And it'll be interesting to see how Skylar DeLong has progressed as punter. He's certainly going into the fall as a true freshman, but a favorite. Uh, to win that position, Thomas Fletcher, uh, the sophomore uh, at the long snapper position. So Alabama's, you know, it's going to be an interesting fall camp, uh, but just certainly everyone is uh, almost ready for that. And we'll continue to also follow recruiting very closely. Since we last joined you, Alabama has added two basketball commitments, Deontay Smith from Ta- Choctaw Hatchie uh, High School, the uh, alma mater of one DJ Hall, uh, if you remember him from the football days before Nick Saban, and he, of course, played for Saban his first year, the wide receiver. But Choctaw Hatchie High School, Deontay Smith, he's a six-seven swingman who's been really uh, exploding on the AAU scene. And as Antoine Petway and Avery Johnson have done, they've found him, identified him early, and out-recruited LSU and TCU for him. And then yesterday, Jawan Gary, six-foot-five swingman from Columbia, South Carolina, two-way state champion last year. He's another guy that's a wing player, very long and athletic, and they out-recruited South Carolina, among others, to bring him into the, uh, the fold. Both these guys are considered you know, top you know, 50 to 75 talents, so they're very good prospects. And so now Alabama will focus on the two in-state young men, Kyra Lewis, who they were watching at the Peace Jam very closely today, from Hazel Green High School in my community, who I think is an Alabama lean. And then they're going to have to fight it out for Trendon Watford, who I think they led for a long time. But now Trendon, they've got uh, some ties to the University of Memphis and Penny Hardaway because Mike Miller, the former NBA uh, player and NBA champion with the Miami Heat, and before that Florida Gator, is on that coaching staff and has some close ties to their family. So Memphis is going to be a threat, but certainly Alabama going to battle for Trendon Watford, and he and Kyra Lewis would be big pieces of that puzzle. Should they sign both those young men, I think Alabama, for the second time in three years, would have a top-five recruiting class nationally, and that's huge for Avery Johnson, Antoine Petway, Yasmir Roseman, uh, and that coaching staff. I think they've just done an outstanding job in John Pelfrey of restocking Alabama basketball with talent. Certainly Colin Sexton today. Uh, they win another Summer League game. He has 17 points as they have moved into the quarterfinals of the Las Vegas Summer League. They'll be in the quarters tomorrow. Uh, and so 
we continue to follow that, and that's helped Alabama, I think, immeasurably in recruiting, watching Colin Sexton make an impact. But So it's been an eventful offseason thus far. Uh, we look forward to you know continuing to bring you coverage on BAMS Radio. Uh, once uh, fall practice starts, we will be coming to you, of course, every week, bringing you our insight from our sources and also just hyping you up for Alabama football. I think everyone's super excited. Uh, William and I, of course, will – be able to uh, bring you a lot of buzz from the fall scrimmages when they start and a lot of uh, of, uh, of a fall camp, uh, you know, just a conversation. And we look forward to bringing you that. But we've enjoyed uh, this uh, SEC Media Days uh, kind of preview edition of BAMS Radio. We talked about the lineup coming up. As we said, uh, Nick Saban will be speaking to the media this Wednesday. And we wanted to go over some of those storylines and catch you up on some of the roster moves. Uh, that have been uh, happening in the last month or so and in, in recruiting. And Alabama, the number one recruiting class in the country right now, not surprising, this young coaching staff doing an outstanding job. And again, with SEC Media Days about to be upon us, it, we will begin the official countdown to fall camp and we'll be here before you know it. But we wanted to thank everyone for joining BAMS Radio tonight. Uh, for our producer, Thomas Watts, the, uh, the wizard behind the curtain, for William Redfish Barger, Thank you for joining us on this uh, Saturday night, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon down the road. We'll probably have one more show uh, before we start fall camp because there'll be more recruiting news uh, you know, coming up here as the dead period ends, and they have, they have their second cookout in late July, and then we'll kick it off and start trying to bring you weekly coverage. But we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Have a great rest of your evening, and roll tide. From Drew Armand, Thomas Watts, and, of course, the one and only William Redfish Barger.